Good morning. Welcome. If this is your first time, you haven't been here before, welcome, welcome, welcome. Love having new peeps. Now, I just want to. I want to start by by thanking you guys. We we received your prayers and your messages and well wishes, and it was it was phenomenal. We are just as back, healthy and alive, which is phenomenal. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> So I just want to thank you. I thank you guys for everyone that, that chips in and makes stuff happen around here and, and that you guys that just understand and, and work with us. We, we really appreciate it and it's, it's super overwhelming and, and awesome for us. The other thing I just want to start by saying as well is if you were here last week and you heard the message that Brad preached and you have questions, I want to encourage you to ask them. Ask them to the person that you're sitting next to, come and ask them to me, ask them to, to Brad himself. Let's continue a conversation. If it's something that I, I, I listened to his preach back, and obviously it's something that, that Brad and I have been speaking through for quite a few months now, and it was a challenging message. The thing with, with the gospel that Jesus preached is that it was challenging. Everywhere he went, he challenged the status quo. He challenged the thinkers of the day. He challenged what was in place. He's calling us to do the same thing. If something is, I read a quote once, once, like it was a million years ago, I think it was like this week, but I, I read a quote that said, if something can be destroyed by the truth, it should be. So what we want to do is we want to start to create a platform where we can speak and ask questions where truth can destroy the things that aren't truth, right? We've been speaking a lot about different kingdoms and, and living in one kingdom and, and, and not the other. In that kingdom that we've been speaking about, the kingdom of God, that's where truth lies, so this book that we've been going through for decades and, and trying to understand is full of truth. When we find that truth, we've got to be able to talk about it. We've got to start a dialogue where we can start to go, I've never seen that before. I don't understand it. It's not what's being taught. Let me ask somebody about it. If you get offended and you, and you refuse to seek it out, you're not going to come into truth. You're going to stay stuck in whatever you're stuck in, whether it's, it's bitterness, whatever it is. Let's talk about it. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Ask questions. As I said last week, we want, this is a dialogue. This is not, this is something that, that when, when Jesus taught, he taught off the back of questions. The disciples would sit at his feet, they would ask questions, and Jesus would answer based on the questions that he asked. In the, in the style of church that we've created, yes, at the moment, I'm the only one who has a microphone. But once the microphone goes down, we want to start dialogue, questions, so that we can grow. If I'm preaching and there's no questions, I'm not doing my job that God's asked me to do because I'm just telling you something you've already known. If I'm not telling you something different, then we're not growing. And that's what we're called to do. Is that okay? Just give me one little amen so I know that everyone's out there and they're okay. Fantastic. The week before last when I was preaching, I, Dave asked a question about um, how we could implement that. And it got me thinking um, as I went away about Sometimes we, we, we preach, but we, don't, we, don't, we assume that guys know how to do stuff. We assume that, that all of us, when we read things, we assume that there's, there's a knowledge that is there when sometimes it's just, it's, it's not there. And I was reading through a few different things, and I, when I was a, at uni, I was sitting out, in my first year of uni, I was, I was sitting, I had not long been at Crossing Point, and I was sitting out on a, on a balcony by myself, and God downloaded me a message that, I'd, I've never shared. I, I wrote it all out and I put it away. And I've, I've never really known when to share it or why to share it. But God provoked it in me this week. And I figure, well, if God's provoking something, I'm going to share it. So it's a, it's a very simple, practical understanding of a scripture that I think we've known for so long, but never really taken the time to break down what Jesus was actually saying. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak this morning on prayer. And I, I tossed backwards and forwards as to whether or not I was going to explain why we should pray and how we should pray and go into that. But I, I really want to just explain how we should pray and stay on one verse. But I am going to give us a little bit of, of, of background into that. So we, all, we, see, we see in the Bible constantly we see prayer used. We see from, from Genesis to Revelation, we see them go and, and communicate with God, speak with God. We see different understandings of that. We see, we see different facets of that. But in the New Testament and in some of the Old, we see a, a a need for prayer. So in Romans 12, 12, it says, Rejoice in hope and be patient in tribulation, but be constant in prayer. In Psalms 102, 
17, it says, He regards the prayer of the destitute and does not despise their prayers. In Acts 1.14, it says, All these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer. Luke 19.46, Jesus saying to them, it says, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. But he's saying that it's a house, a house of prayer, a people of prayer who petition to God. So we see prayer all over the Bible. One of my, the most interesting things that we also see is, is that we see Jesus, when he's with the disciples, make a point to retreat to go and pray. And the most interesting thing when we see Jesus do this is that we see him do it at the most tense times. Like there's a storm going on, Jesus goes away to pray. And you think, wouldn't you want the comfort of Jesus being there? But Jesus goes to get the comfort of the Father. He goes to sit under the voice and hear what his Father's saying in the midst of, of the place that they were in. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus comes back from praying. He comes back after spending time with the Father to wake the disciples up. There's times where we see Jesus wake the disciples up and say, what are you doing? Get up and pray. Get up and position yourself to understand what the Father is. When we see Jesus in the Scriptures say, I only do what I see my Father doing and I only say what I hear my Father saying, how did he know what Jesus was doing and saying? He knew it because he spent time with the Father. He knew it because he spent time in a place of prayer, understanding what God was saying. It was the only reason he was able to connect with the Father and then operate in his will, because he heard what he was saying. So when we get caught up in, 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 in this place where we, we, we fail to go and sit with the Father, and then we say, I don't know what God wants me to do. Of course you don't know what God wants you to do, because you haven't gone to listen to what he's saying. Right? We, we, we get in a place where we, we fail to listen to God, and then we get confused and, and upset because we can't see what he's saying. I made a joke a few weeks ago about the fact that I don't get up at five o'clock in the morning to pray. And I, um, I was thinking through that this week. The reason I was poking fun at that is because I think in the contemporary church, we've made so many lists of how-tos that we don't actually see in the scriptures. We see Jesus pray at, at all times in the Bible. We see him pray in the morning. We see him pray in the evening. What I was doing in that joke was I was just saying that that's not the only way to pray. If you're an, uh, an early morning riser, Mal gets up at some ridiculous hour of the morning, four o'clock or something, and that's his time where it's quiet and he can be with God. That works for Mal. What I was highlighting in that is that we don't have to try and attain to something that, that's not who we are, but we do have to be diligent in the way that we get up and pray. So I wasn't saying don't pray by any means. What I was saying was that's not the way that I do it but it is still an important way to understand how you do it, what works for you. I have friends of mine that are big gym junkies, and one of my mate will, mates will gym two or three times a week, but he, he is diligent in the way that he knows where it works for him. He knows what times he can go, he knows how long he can go for. When I was living with him, I tried to do the same pattern and, and get ripped like he was, and it failed miserably for me. <laughs> miserably, as you can see, I'm not a bodybuilder by any means. But you see, we, we, wanna, we, we see how it's working for somebody else and we want to mimic that to get the same, the same thing. We can't do that with the dreams of God because God's given us all different dreams and, and understandings. But we have to be diligent in the way that we do it. We have to be forward in saying, God, I'm going to come to you every day. And if that means that you go, okay, I don't know what works for me, so I'm going to do this. I'm going to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and I'm going to trial it. Or I'm going to get at 6 o'clock, I'm going to pray every evening. We start to develop a habit which then grows and grows and it becomes into a, an incredible principle in God. We've also, we've, the other thing I just wanted to, to tackle as well is that we also, we, we've in essence made prayer too difficult. We've made it too fancy and we've made it too, too unattainable in some regards. We, we, we've kind of made this alone time with God where you sit in a special place that looks beautiful out over a beach maybe and we, we put on nice music and then we uh, attempt to create this thing of God. But what we, what we miss is that God will meet you wherever you want to meet him. He will come to you wherever you say, God, I'm going to meet you, whether that's in your bedroom before you leave to, to start your day, or it is on the beach, or it is in front of some incredible view, we, we kind of make it this thing, well, oh, I can't get to the beach this morning, so I can't pray. Because we've made going to the beach the only place that I pray. So when I'm sitting at work and I'm, I'm feeling like I need some, some wisdom of God, I go, oh, I wish I could get some wisdom, but I can't because I've got to go back to the beach in order to get it. You see, we create this, 
weird thing where there's a, a list of rules that we have to do in order to pray. Yet, in, in, the, in, in the Bible, we don't see that. We see, we see them break out in, in, in prayer all the time. I think it's in Jeremiah. We see, um, we see Hannah. I won't go there, actually. It's in, it's in Jeremiah, but we see, we see Hannah in a, at, a, at a feast. She, she's eating. Um, I'll have to double-check that out. I'm pretty sure it's Jeremiah, but she's at a feast. She's eating, and she, she bursts into tears, praying to God because she's longing for, for a son. She wants to, to bear a son. Right there in the feast, she finishes her food, and she starts praying to God because she becomes overwhelmed with this desire to want to have a child. So much so in Samuel. <laughs> yes, Daniel. It's in Samuel. We, she, she's so overwhelmed by the desire to have a, a, a son or a child, to bear a child, that she just starts to pray to, the God, to, to God. And in that, there's, there's other people around her that think that she's drunk and that she's, she's had too much wine because she's so overcome by the desire to get wisdom from the Father that she does it right there and then. You see, when we can come to a place where we are, are so connected with the Father, so in tune with what God's saying, that wherever we are, we'll reach out and ask for his wisdom. And he overwhelms us right in that position. Imagine how well our life can be in a, in a place of we're always operating out of the wisdom of the Father. That when we're standing at our workplace, we can, we can, be, we can be so touched by the Father that someone walks in and they say, man, have you, where have you just been? You know, that we walk back into the room and they say, dude, your face is glowing. What's, what's going on? When we can get to that place of an understanding of the Father and we act out of the wisdom of that, man, the power that we have as a believer begins to just flow out into our spheres of influence, into our, our friends and our family, that we don't necessarily have to do an a evangelistic preach because they already see Jesus all over you. And all you've got to do is just say, hey, come here, I'll show you. You know, we, we try and make it so difficult, but God's saying, just commune with me. Just talk with me and I'll show you. I'll give you the tools that you're missing. I'll give you the things that, that, that you need. Simple prayer. We see simple prayer all through the Bible, we, we see. I was, cleaning the, um, I was cleaning the kids' room up um, during the week to, to clear my head and to just do something so that I could think. And I came across a lot of colouring in that I was looking at whether or not I should throw out or not. And I don't have kids, but I was looking at the, the colouring in and it looked like scribble to me. <laughs> so I'm looking at these colouring in things and I, I said to, to Jess, what, do we just throw all this out or is this sentimental or do we keep it? What do we do with it? And it got me thinking that, you know, when a, when a kid colours in, it doesn't matter like if it's a duck and it should be yellow and they colour it blue, but they don't even really get it in the lines. They just sort of get it on there. And they take it to their parents and the, the, the parents are always overjoyed with the fact that they just put pen to paper. It doesn't matter. Like me, I'd be like, oh, it's wrong. It should have been yellow. You've missed it. it. Ducks aren't blue. You're not in the lines. Come on. That's not what we see in parents. What we see in parents is, and maybe I've got some things to learn for when I have a kid, huh? But the thing is, is that when, the, when a child brings a, a colouring in, it doesn't matter what it looks like. The father or the, or the mother is so joyed by the fact that, man, you got something on the paper. Fantastic. You, you had a poke at it. Well done. But we take prayer and we go, okay, it's got to be perfect. I've got to offer it in a way that God's going to respect it. God just wants you to just sit with him. Just come and sit with me. I don't, just, it doesn't matter what you, just tell me about your day. I don't have anything specific to pray about. Just tell me what went on in your day. Tell me what you're feeling. Tell me what you're thinking through. Let me hear your heart on something. Let me just, let me just be with you. We have to get to a place where we start to understand that there's, there's, there's a structure to prayer, which I want to show us later, but at the end of the day, God just wants to hear from us. I love seeing, seeing River run around and, and he comes to give me something and he calls me B because he, he's not quite getting Ben, but it's fantastic. Because he'll talk to you and it doesn't matter that what he's saying makes zero sense because you can see that he's, he's talking, he's, he's starting to get some stuff together. That's how God sees us. When we read through the scriptures and in, in writing this message, I had a few things I didn't understand and a few questions and, and I, I, I was talking them through with Brad and, and it was cool just to say, 
know, some of them we, we didn't get an answer on. But God's going, yes, my boy, you're, you're looking at this thing. You're, you're seeking me. You're, you're trying to understand this thing. It doesn't matter that you don't get it. I'll show you. But the fact that you're willing to look is, is the excitement that God gets to then be with you and commune in that place. We don't have to know all the scriptures, and I don't. I regularly look through and I read something and go, oh my goodness, that doesn't make any sense. And I can be like that for a long time. And then all of a sudden, when I keep searching, I keep asking God, show me, Father, show me, show me. And then something drops, a penny drops, and one word sticks out and changes the whole thing. And you think, oh my goodness, I understand what he's saying. That's because we can commune with the Father and we can continue to stay in what he's saying and hear what he's doing. If you've got a Bible with you, go, go with me to, to Luke 11.1. 1. Luke 11.1. 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. I love the fact that the disciples in this place, they reach out to Jesus. They reach out to him to say, God, show us what it is that you do. It's interesting that we don't see that off the back of Jesus preaching. We see that off the back of, of the way that the disciples are understanding who he is. They're seeing what he's, he's been doing. They've been watching his ministry. They've been walking with him. They would have noticed him leaving and coming back. And they would have known that he was going to pray. But they were perplexed at the fact that they didn't understand what Jesus was going out to be, how, how, he, sorry, how he was going out to be with the Father. That They say to him, God, we want to know what you know. We want to understand this, this idea that you have of how to commune with the Father because I want, to, I want to operate in what you're operating in. You see, they understood that, that Jesus was the Messiah, but they also understood that he was man with them. So they're asking Jesus, show us the tools that you use to operate in, in the things that you're operating in. And they say to him, show us how to pray. Jesus, show us the way that you commune with the Father. Show us the way that you manage to uphold this, this incredible relationship with the Father. And I think it's phenomenal that, that, that we see that and, and then we see what Jesus gives to us. And us as, as humans, we take that thing and we go, okay, Jesus meant every word of this thing literally. I don't think that's what Jesus was doing. I don't think that it was a literal prayer um, thing that Jesus says, show us how to pray. And the disciples were going around praying that exact prayer. What Jesus showed them was an archetype model of how to pray. He showed them a step-by-step, -step, position yourself like this, and, and this will unlock how you see the Father, how I see him. So if you want to, I want to swap back over to Matthew, if you can. Matthew 6, go from there back to Matthew 6. And I'm going to toss a little bit backwards and forwards between the two because we see the same account from both writers. But I think that, that in, in this instance, Matthew's account, Matthew being a, a disciple of Jesus was closer. And I, I think we see a, a more, a, a bigger picture in some instances. We see different stories, which I'm going to go back to. But I just think Matthew's understanding of this was quite incredible. Not to discount Luke's by any means, but I, I just want to stick there. So we go back to Matthew, and, and Matthew says that, that, that Jesus is saying, and when you pray, uh, Matthew 6, 5 to 8, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their, for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Jesus opens his lesson on prayer by saying it's a, it's a communication, it's, it's, a, a, store, it's a, a conversation sorry, between you and the Father. He's not, he's not discounting corporate prayer, but he's saying that when you want to commune with the Father and understand a relationship with the Father, it's done between son and father, daughter and father, either way you look at it. It's done between one person in a quiet place to the Father. 
He's saying that that's a, it's because it's a conversation. I couldn't have got to know my wife if, if it was always in a corporate setting. I had to be able to go away one-on-one with her and understand who she is, learn who she is in a conversation between the two of us. Jesus is saying that you, you want to get to know the Father, spend time with the Father. And I think in, in the context of, of today and what we see, this isn't the only place that you can, Sunday morning isn't the only place that you can get to know God. You know, I've said this a, a hundred times, it's not the only place we worship, but it's not the only time we pray either. If you're waiting for a prayer service in order to pray with God, you're missing what Jesus is saying here. If you're waiting for a Sunday service in order to pray to the Father, you're missing what he's saying here because you're going to get a glimpse of the Father on a Sunday morning. When we gather together, it's powerful, it's, it's exciting, it's, it's magnetic, but it's a, it's a two-hour glimpse of what the Father has for us. When we get together, sorry, when we get on our knees in, in our, on our own private time with God, it's one-on-one with the Father. We get to see more and more of who He is. It's like a relationship that we walk out. I'm still learning about my wife. I'm still learning who she is and, and, and what, what excites her and what, what doesn't excite her. I'm still learning those things because it's a relationship that I walk out with her. The first thing that we see, we see Jesus say in Matthew 6, 9 is he says, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Who's heard this prayer before? Pretty much everybody in the room, huh? We've, we've heard it, we've said it. I went to a, to a, um, to a Catholic school and a part of that was, was learning um, learning this prayer. I also, my, my dad used to, to recite this over us before, while we're going to sleep. I've known this prayer for a very long time. I've never, though, been able to break down what it really means for us. And I think, and, and that's what I want to do this morning, there's, there's elements in this prayer that we've just missed. You know, Jesus, Jesus is saying here, there's so much in this opening line, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I think Jesus opens this with our Father because it, it allows us to actually relate to, to God. When we pray, we're not praying to a God that's far out there, that, that, that is out in the heavens that we feel disconnected from. Jesus is saying, call him Abba, Daddy. When we see that, when we see that in the scriptures where it says Abba, Father, it was just two different translations of the same word. The word there was Father, my, my Dad. There's a relationship instantly. Jesus says, start the prayer with, with the fact that you know who he is. You know, one of the interesting things about about the Christian faith is that our prayers actually carry a paternal instinct to them, that God allows us to call him Father. He says that we are his Father. A lot of the other gods that we see in, in the scriptures that they were worshipping, a lot of the other the religions don't allow that paternal instinct. There's no, you are, you are with me. And Jesus is saying the way we open our prayers is Father, Dad, whether we're hurting or we're excited, there's a still a, a joy and an excitement in relating to God, the creator of the universe, as our Father. He then goes on to say, in heaven. And the reason that he's saying in heaven is because he's solidifying the fact that, that Jesus died and is alive and is now seated at the right hand of the Father and is in power. That's an a, a, a exciting de- declaration of God my Father who is seated and in power, still alive. There's a declaration in the opening of the prayer to say, God, Daddy, you who is in heaven, all-powerful, almighty. And then it goes on to say, hallowed be your name. What in the world is hallowed? I love that they didn't translate that word. They just left it as, as hallowed. And it's, it's kind of like in the Australian anthem where it says girt by sea. No one ever says girt, but we just left it there because we didn't know what to do with it. Hallowed be your name. That word hallowed means to honour as holy, to make holy and to greatly revere and honour. We honour and we worship the name of God and we praise him and give honour to the glory that he is in heaven as our father. So in the opening line of the sentence, in the opening prayer that Jesus says, he's not saying always use these words. He's saying relate to the, the creator, your, your God, as father in that paternal instincts that he's my dad. But then he's saying don't forget that he's, he's seated in heaven, ruling, and honor and glory must he be, be given. So in the opening of the prayer, that's how we come to God in our prayer time. My father, 
God, I give you all the glory for who you are, for the power and the reign that you carry and the kingship that you have in that place. When we stand in that place like we did this morning and we sing, God, you are so worthy. That's what Jesus is saying in the beginning of our prayer life, is to sit before the Father, Daddy, and worship who he is and where he's at. Matthew 6.10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will, God, be done on earth as it is in heaven. We've just declared who the Father is and where he's seated. Now Jesus is saying, now ask for him to bring the things that he has for you right now. Declare and ask for his kingdom to come and reign in that place. But also ask for his will to be done. That's a scary thing for us as Christians to ask. When I was thinking this through, I was, I've, been, I've been walking this through in the last few months about we come and we pray, even when we need something, we'll go straight to that thing that we need. But I think we fail to skip the few things because if we actually ask for the will of God to happen in that moment, then we get exactly what we want and need anyway. You know, when we come and say, God, your kingdom come in this place. If we need finances and we say, God, your kingdom come and your will in that be done. Let me tell you something. You're going to be, you're going to be the best off in that situation because the love the Father has for you, the will he has for you is placed out of that love. So when you say, God, I want your will be done, it's not slave like we think slave it's fantastic the will of the person who's leading my life is going to be the best outcome for me every time your kingdom god your kingdom come we've been speaking the last few weeks about understanding of the kingdoms and jesus is saying call forth god's kingdom in your life we see later on where we, we, we ask God to, to pull us out of, out of the, the kingdom of darkness. But he's saying, declare the kingdom of God in your life and declare the will of God to move and bring heaven to earth. That's, that's our job here. We heard Paul speak quite a few weeks ago about the idea of, of the garden and, and, the, and the, 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 the beautiful uh, place the garden was and that that's what God has for us now in his kingdom, that that was his design. That's the kingdom of, of God. That that garden, that beauty is here now for us to actually walk and operate in. That's why he's saying your kingdom come. Because we have the ability to walk in that as sons and daughters now. Moving on to Matthew 6 verse 11, the next verse. I want to just highlight something that until this part of, of, of the structure that Jesus is giving us to pray, we haven't spoken about ourselves yet. We've come to God fully speaking about him until this part. You see, when, when... I just want to be careful, but I... it hurts me the way that we have commercialized the church, that we've taken it away from the Father, that we've taken it away from the picture that God gave us in the beginning. This is about me. It's about the, the, the glory that I am, the glory that I have. It's about the Father. And we've tossed it on its head and we've made it about ourselves. Yet when Jesus is telling us how to pray, he's saying, worship the Father and the Father will pour out all that he has for you. Everything that is good will come from him. Everything that he has will come from him. So when you look at the Father, when you position yourself in your prayer life to say, God, I want to know who you are. I want to see you. He will pour out the things that he has for you. We don't have to ask. At the beginning of this, Jesus says he knows the things that you need. Now, I'm not saying that we don't, we don't come to him and say, Father, you know. I mean, we see, we, sorry, we see David do that in the Psalms. We see him cry out. But when we miss the fact that it's all about God, when we miss the first part of our prayer to say, God, you are so incredible, you are so powerful and so mighty, when we miss that, we're actually missing the power and the, and the glory that God has for us. I'd much rather sit in, in, in that for a thousand days than have to just list the things that I need. But we see, God say, we see Jesus say in this Matthew 6, 11, give us this day our daily bread. Go with me, go with me quickly to, to Luke 11. 5 verse 13. 
Luke recounts this story at the end of his, his telling of this, of this event. He says, this is Jesus talking, and Jesus says, Which of you has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing set before him. And he will never, and he, sorry, and he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up, sorry, though he will, will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks who receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. I want to tell you that this verse, Jesus is not highlighting the giver. Because he says that it's not because he's friend, he, it's not because he's his friend he gets up and, and gives him the bread. It's because of his, his rudeness, his, please go away from me. If you'll stop knocking, I'll give you the flame and bread so I can go back to bed. That's why the giver gives. But what Jesus is highlighting in this story is the, is the, the asker, the knocker. That guy who will continually stand and knock at the door. Knock at the door. Father, give me this thing. I know that you need it for me to, to, to do this thing. The asker. That's what Jesus is highlighting in the story. He's saying, he's saying, when you need something, continue to ask for me and I'll give it to you. When you need bread, and I'm going to highlight that in a second. I just want to tell you a story. My, my auntie is, is deaf, 90% deaf. And when, when I was at church with her, she continually goes forward for prayer, for healing for her ears. And we're sitting at dinner one time and, and someone said to her, why, why do you keep going forward for prayer if you've never been healed? And she said, because I refuse to stop asking for the good things the Father has for me. And she said, I have no idea why I'm not healed. I have no idea why, why it's not happening. And I'm content with who God has made me. But that doesn't mean I'm going to stop knocking at the door. And one day he'll open it or he may never open it. But I'm going to knock at the door. I just, I remember hearing that thinking, man, that's what Jesus is talking about in this story. He's talking about the fact that something that you need, the bread to continue the job that I've given you, and you're going to keep asking for the thing. The interesting thing that we see in this verse that I think we often skip over is that Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread, the thing that we need daily, the bread, the food that we need. In Proverbs 30, 7 verse 9, it says this, Two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the, profane the name of God. Give me neither poverty nor riches. The wisdom we see from Proverbs is he's saying, don't make me rich, don't make me poor, but don't make me rich either. I want neither of the two things. I want to be content in you with the tools to continue to do your job. We've, all of us have said, God, don't make me rich, huh? You see, what he's saying, though, is that I don't, want to be, I don't want to miss what you have. I don't want to get to a place where I'm so rich that I'm actually missing who you are. But I also don't want to get to a place where I'm so poor that I can't see who you are either. I have to steal in order to make my way. God, give me the things that I need to fulfill the task that's at hand. The thing you've given me, the vision that I can see, the, the, the blueprint for the next steps in my life that I can see, give me the tools enough to do those things you've asked me to do. Paul writes in Corinthians, he says, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 10, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Notice it doesn't say that your food will not be increased because you can only eat so much. It's an increase of the seed. Why? For sowing. I want this church to operate in more and more financial financials. Why? So that we can sow it further and further. So that our seed can go further, so that our harvest can go even further out into this nation and the nations. 
But our bed, our bread, sorry, the things that we have, the things that we look around and see, we only need so much. And we've got that. We've got enough here to start to operate. But I want our seed to increase so then we can reach more people than what God's showing us. You see, that's the same in our life, is that we ask God for the bread for the day that we need in order to complete the task. And the seed that comes in, that's fantastic. Sow it. You are given freely, so freely give. You see, we get to this place where we, we understand that, that Jesus is actually saying to them, when you pray, just ask for the things that you need to complete the task. I'll increase the seed, don't worry about that. But ask for the things that you need. That's where we get to the place where we start to understand who and what God is and what he's saying. Is that okay? Is everyone good? Proverbs 37 to 9, if you want to uh, take a note and read it again. Matthew 6 to 12. Sorry, Matthew 6, verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. If you read on 14, Matthew 6, verse 14 and 15, Jesus goes on after the prayer to say, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So now that you've read that, go back up and read 6.12 again. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. This is a scary part of the prayer, if you haven't realized. This is a scary part of the prayer, if you haven't realized. Because you're actually asking the Father to forgive as you've forgiven. This is not, in this instance, in, in what Matthew's saying, he's not talking about sin here. He's not talking about, because we don't have the power to forgive other sins. He's talking about... The, the debts that we owe. He's talking about the, the, the times we've hurt people, the things that we owe. That's what Jesus is talking about. Just like it says to go back and forgive your brother before you come to the altar. He's saying go and forgive. But when we pray this prayer and we say forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors, I like that Jesus finishes the prayer. Then he gives a little subcontext to that to say if, if you can't forgive, then you're actually living in that place of unforgiveness. So he's actually saying in this, God, I, I, I want you to, to bring me into that place of freedom and forgiveness where I, where I can step into that freedom. But God's saying, but you haven't forgiven your brother. So in this place, we actually stand and, and we say to God, forgive me as I've forgiven my brother. And you know, the interesting thing about that is that, that we, look at, we look at our brother and go, yeah, but you don't know what happened. You don't know this and you don't know that, but God knows that. And God knows the places that you've missed where they don't know. Yet he's forgiven you in those times and those places. Nelson Mandela once said, As I walked out the door toward the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. When we don't forgive in that place, we actually hold that bitterness. We hold that frustration. We hold, we start, that starts to harbor and grow. That's why it's such a big deal for God to say, let it go. When you let that go, I'll show you the freedom that I have for you in that. But until you let that go, I can't bring you into the freedom. So when we actually stand in that place and we say, God, forgive, forgive me as I forgive those, we're saying, I want to I lay all those things to rest and I want you to forgive me and, and bring me into that place of freedom that you have for me. That's quite a scary thing when we actually stop to think it through. Matthew 6, verse 13, I'm nearly done. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Most of your Bibles won't have the next part in it, which we always learnt at kids, as kids, which is quite funny. But if you go into the King James Version, the King James Version translates this, this verse. It's a bit of a discussion as to whether or not this was in the original or not. But when I, when I looked at it and I thought, it's a truth that is actually being solidified in who God is. So if it wasn't in the original, it's, it's confusing as to why it wouldn't have been and if it is. But either way, it's a declaration that I think needs to be made more in the church. But the last verse in this, it says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So Jesus ends this verse. He ends this prayer. He ends this, this how-to on praying to say, God, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. He's saying in that, 
Allow us to operate in your kingdom. Allow us to operate in the place and the freedom that you have for us. Allow us to be in that place, not in the opposite. I don't think God actually leads us into to temptation or evil. But if we don't follow him, we will surely go that direction. There's only really two ways that we can go. There's two people leading one way or the other. And we choose, when we choose Jesus, he pulls us out of that place, out of that temptation place and leads us into the freedom that he has for us. So when we continue to choose him in that, he's not leading us into a place of temptation. But when we choose him, he actually leads us away from that place of temptation. So when we say, Father, lead me in that place, it's saying, God, I want to understand you and know who you are so that every step that I take is a step taken into your freedom, into your wholeness, out of this place of temptation. It's not about, please, Jesus, I hope you don't lead me in the wrong direction. No, he will always lead you into that place of wholeness. But what it's saying is about as I want to take you. He ends the prayer with a declaration of, Father, I will follow you. I choose you to be the, 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 the lamppost that guides my feet. I choose you to be the, the guide out of this place of darkness and into this place of freedom. And the end verse I just think is phenomenal because it says, God, yours is the kingdom. You reign in this place. You are the king. Your power and your glory, it reigns forever. I just think that that declaration at the end of, of, of of this prayer point is that it, it ends the verse how it starts, saying who God is and declaring the fullness of the Father. You see, when we start to do that in our worship, in our, in our sermons, in our life, in our conversations, when we start to declare who the Father is in every instance, that's the freedom that God's talking about. That's the power of the believer. That's the, the understanding that God, it's you who does these things in us and through us. It's you, it's your power. I'm going to continue to, to solidify that and to, to declare that in my life because it's your power and it's your freedom that I want to walk in. So we see Jesus give essentially seven points in this. We relate to him as father and we join in, in, in that paternal closeness rather than that further, further away. We then see Jesus say to honor and praise his name. In heaven, as king, we declare his kingdom, his will in the area or areas of our life. We ask for his provision to complete the task that he's given us. And we pray for those around us, forgiving them and asking for their forgiveness. We give ourselves, we give ourselves over to God and, we, and, we, and he leads us into his ways. And then we declare his power and his glory and him as king in our lives. That's what Jesus is telling the disciples when he asked them how to pray. That's what we can understand Jesus was when he was going into the wilderness. That's what he was praying because that's what he shows the disciples. So when he goes and he has quiet time with God, he's stepping into a place where he's constantly doing those things. He understood as a son how we are to relate to the Father. So I was thinking through, you know, this... this we say, and I've said it a few times, I just caught myself before, we say prayer life, and I've said it a few times just now, but all of our life should be a prayer life. We don't, we don't break it off as to prayer life and Bible life. We, we want to understand who God is in his wholeness. That should be a part of our, our journey, a part of our life. Learn, start to implement little things in your life to focus on this. It doesn't matter whether you have to write that down. And when you pray, go point by point to say, okay, God, I'm going to start to focus on you. As, you. as you come along, these things become easy and that starts to roll off your tongue. You start to pray every time where you glorify God. You start to pray where you, you, you call his power and you, you, you express where he is seated as king. When we start to work it through, it starts to become second nature. And after we've been doing it for a long time, this becomes who we are, becomes our life. But we've got to start somewhere. I saw a, um, a, a YouTube clip on Facebook that was talking about how much time we spend on our phones and that when we wake up, it's the first thing that, that we go to is our phone. And I was like, oh, I don't think that's true. Next morning, first thing I reached for was my phone. And I was like, okay, I see, I see what's... I see what they've done here. They've done a bit of research on the old thing. So I, I, I decided to myself, okay, I'm not going to touch my phone until I've prayed. And I'm not going to make it a big fancy prayer. I'm not going to get up and go and do a 20, 40 minute. I just want to at least, at least 
do two things. Speak to my father and speak to my wife before I touch my phone. It was challenging. It is challenging. And I don't do it all the time, but the, the moment that I touch my phone, I think, flip, I haven't, I haven't spoken to God. When we put these little things in place, we start to actually become more connected with the Father and the easier it gets. So that you get to a place... I, I was reading... Last story before I finish. I was reading a... Um, I don't remember where I saw it, but I was reading a, a story about Smith Wigglesworth and a reporter that was doing a, an article on Smith Wigglesworth. And he had read that there were times when Smith was praying that everybody would leave the room because they couldn't handle the presence of God. But because of how close he was to God, he could handle this presence, but they couldn't. And this writer, this um, reporter scoffed at it and thought, this is ridiculous. That's not how God works. I want to go and see. So he asked Smith if he would put a, um, a prayer time on and this reporter went to be a part of the prayer time to report what was going on. And he, he got to a place where the room was so thick with the presence of God that most of the people that were in the room praying with him had left. There was one other guy who was on his all fours, like sounding like he was dying trying to breathe and ended up crawling out. And he writes in this article that God gave him the grace to stay a little longer because he said, I would have been one of the first ones out, but there was this grace on me to stay a little longer to see what he was doing. And then all of a sudden, he says he lost the breath out of him. He dropped to the floor and he had to crawl out of the room. And upon writing and asking Smith, Smith Wigglesworth had no grid for it other than to say, that's my father. He said, when I go into a room to pray, I'm not there to run a prayer meeting. I'm there to talk to my, my daddy. I'm there to talk to my God. So when he gets to that place of prayer, when he gets to that place of God, I'm just going to come to commune with you. He was just operating out of his relationship with the Father. Now, they dropped off because they didn't have that, rela- they didn't have that relationship. Can they get it? Yes, but it's a, it's, a, it's a walk into that. But we've got to understand that it's a journey with the Father you don't, you don't just start praying and all of a sudden you see that. He, he was hours. And, and for, for Smith Wigglesworth, one of the things that also interests me was that he can pray for hours. He didn't start praying for hours. Smith Wigglesworth didn't wake up one morning going, I'm going to pray every day for four hours. He, get, he got more and more excited into a place where he says, I've got to be with the Father. I love what Todd White says where he says, I'm, he, he was in a... Um, in a hotel and he said, I need a room to pray and I'm going to be loud, but I just want to pray. Like, just give me somewhere. I don't care if it's a broom closet, but I'm going to pray. There's an excitement. There's a, I don't care what else is going on around me. I want to go and be with my father. That's the place that we want to be in. That's the place, me too. I, I, I hear some of those stories and I think, God, what, what is that? What is that waking moment where I just, I urge to want to talk to you? It comes when we start to, start to grow, when we start to understand, when we read more, when we speak more to him. Bill Johnson says that the, the, um, the kingdom is upside down. The more you eat, the hungrier you get. And it's right. The more you read, the more you can't put the thing down. You want to hear the next story and the next story. If you don't read your Bible, start. Read a chapter at a time. Read a, read a line at a time. Read to one full stop and then go, okay. I promise you the next time you'll want to read the next one and the next one, the next one, the next one until you've sat for four hours. That's what we want to do as a community of people. Journey on this thing. Is that okay? Why don't you stand and we'll just pray. And Now you're all going to be listening to my prayer to make sure that it aligns, eh? You let me know if I miss a point out. I just want to finish with this, guys. I know that I started this by saying I want to break down all the rules to praying and then I gave you a list of rules to pray. That's not what I was trying to do. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you pray. It doesn't matter how you pray. That, back to that picture with, the, with the, the, the kid drawing. It doesn't matter where you do it. It doesn't matter how you do it. But when, when the disciples asked, how do we understand, how do we understand the, the, the power that you're working in? How do we understand how to pray? He gave them an understanding. If you want to grow in your prayer life, begin to implement some of this stuff. Go back over and read that verse. 
and start to interpret what God's saying to you in that and start to pray out of that. I heard uh, a, a good friend of mine, Clint, say, order does not produce prayer. Prayer produces order. It's not a gym membership. Don't wait till Monday. Just start now. Start at your workplace. Start a mumble prayer under your breath. Start something where you can just say something and start to commune with the Father. And then as you grow, start to implement some of this stuff that Jesus is showing us. Start to declare his goodness. If you don't know how to pray, just pray by saying, God, you are King. You are Father. Start there and let him show you how to, how to move into that. So, Father, we just thank you, Jesus. God, we just declare your goodness, Lord. As we sang this morning, Father, you are so worthy, Jesus. You are so almighty, Father. We just declare your kingship over this place. We declare your kingdom over this place, Jesus. Won't you come and just have your way here? Don't you come, Lord, and just, just have your will in this place. We just declare your kingdom over this city, Father. Declare your kingdom over this nation, Lord. I pray that your kingdom just saturates this place, Lord. That we know you in such a way, Father. Declare your name, Lord. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Just worship you, Father. Just worship your holy name, Lord. Father, I pray here this morning, God, that you just begin to release the tools, Father. Release the tools for everyone here this morning, God, to start to, to operate in the gifts that you've given, Lord to start to understand the tasks that you've given at hand, Father, and start to, to give them the things they need, Lord, to, Lord, to fulfill the, the, the quests that you have to them, Father, to fulfill the blueprints that you've laid out before them, God. I pray for a passion right now. I just release a zeal, Father, for, for people to come into an understanding of you, Father, to come into an understanding of your heart, Lord God, an understanding of your purposes and your plans, Father. And I just pray this morning, God, that you just begin to fill us up and I pray too, Father, that you increase the seed in this house, Father, that we can sow further, Lord. That a harvest grows for you, Jesus. And Father, I just pray, I pray right now, Lord, for, for the hurts in this place, Father. For the bitterness that's being held on to, Father. For the pain and the suffering that's being perpetuated, Lord, I pray in Jesus, in your name, it breaks right now. In your name, Jesus, I pray that that just comes off right now. And I just pray your shalom peace, Jesus, right now in every one of those situations. Jesus, 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 Father, we thank you, God. We worship you, we glorify you. The very reason we come together is to just honour your name and honour who you are. You are so powerful and so mighty. And God, we thank you. Just thank you for who you are. Jesus, in your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. There is a coffee at the back. If you've never had one before, ask somebody and they will hook you up with one.